right, welcome back to another episode. It is good to be here in the Idea Collision. It is only by accident that these are happening every other week. Uh, this week, uh, my office was uh, not usable, so uh, so I wasn't able to use this, which is my studio. Um, and so anyway, so we are going to be, uh, I don't know, maybe this will turn into an every other week thing since just uh, that's the way it seems to be going. But uh, we're continuing the discussion here of resetting uh, of kind of the societal things that we, we look around us and see various resets. We talk about prosperity and, and, and various things like that. But uh, always, even when we are looking at cultural observations, we are wanting to leave with a spiritual application. And I think when we, we talk about resetting things and, and we talked about the turbulence that that involves necessarily, uh, you know, we, we are always concerned about the, uh, the direction of society and um, we fret and things look hopeless when we look around us and we see how awful things are or whatever. And I, I imagine that probably every generation thinks that their generation was the worst. They like it can't get any worse than this. And they they look at the things. I think we all idealize a moment in time when we grew up and think that this was the best. Of course, the adults at that time were probably like, "Oh no, you you should have seen how awful it was and or how awful it is." You know, is, is how they would have described it. Uh, so, uh, it is there's a, a reference in in the scriptures. It's in. Galatians, it's chapter 1, verse 4, Paul describes uh, society, and he talks about Christ coming to save people from the present evil age. And that's just a phrase that we we read and we skip over, and that's an important statement, the present evil age. Right? Like, like every, every age has been evil, it's just that Paul was living in his present evil age, and after him came a different one. And, and and the application, of course, is that Christ came to save people from every evil age, not just that one, but that was the one that they were in, and so that was what Christ was saving them from. Uh, everybody has grown up and lived in an evil age, so there's always a present evil age. They just kind of look a little different. The technology is different and stuff like that. Um, so, so they look a little different, but there's a lot of similar things in each of them, uh, because as powerful as Satan is, and he is, uh, we don't want to take him lightly. He's not very creative. Right? He's not a creator. He he changes what things are. God is a creator, so what God makes is very creative. But Satan just manipulates what already is there, so he's not very creative. Uh, so sin tends to look similar. Uh, it just has a different technology. And, and, and so, so the world cycles through these common errors, uh, these, these common things, and, and, and it gets out of shape, and then it has to reset. It resets to something, and then, then there's another decline, and, and it looks different. The decline looks different. And, and it, this is how, how we cycle uh, in terms of uh, of the world and, the, and cultures. Well, um, obviously, if, if you know, if Paul was saying, well, here's a really evil age, well, let's say it was really bad, you know, and if 
would we say that we're worse than then? I don't know. Probably not. Um, probably about the same. But but if we're not the same, and if things are constantly declining, we should be, you know, 2,000 years later, we, we should be well beyond what they were. So it's obvious then that things have to reset from time to time and, and kind of bump up, and then that's where the decline happens. Um, and so, so things have to reset, morally speaking. We talked about, you know, financially how things kind of reset, uh, and there's a lot of applications there. Uh, but but this is this is spiritual. This is moral. But that process is never gentle. Uh, it, just like it's not gentle with weather, it's not gentle with anything. Uh, we refer to it as revolution. So um, every revolution is, I should say it this way, not every revolution is on the basis of something good. Some have something very bad in them, um, even when they are producing something positive uh, in the long term. Uh, the, uh, the things that we, we look at are as negative, um, they, they might be bad in and of themselves and yet still have a positive result down the line. I'll give you an example. The French Revolution is probably the the premier example. I know we talk a lot about the American Revolution, but the American Revolution and the French Revolution, though they happen within years of each other, are very different. Um, and they have very different results because of the premise of them. And so the the French Revolution is is more a microcosm of what I'm kind of talking about. Where leading up to the French Revolution, uh, you have two major types of abuses uh, in society that lead to it. One was the abuses that come from what we would call the aristocracy or the monarchy, the, the elites, the, the political and financial elites of the society. That was one of the, the major abuses. The other abuses were coming from the religious sphere, um, and, and so they were kind of elites also, but they they weren't isolated. They, they were actually connected. And this goes back a couple hundred years to a guy by the name of Charlemagne, um, who was really before France was France. It was they were called the Franks. He he became what was referred to as the Holy Roman Empire uh, Emperor. Excuse me. And and this started this this idea of intertwining politics and religion. When we talk about separation of church and state, uh, they were one and the same. And, uh, and so the abuses of one really were the abuses of the other. They were, they were connected even, even after the Holy Roman Empire really migrated over to Germany, which became the stronger nation in Europe. Those, those tendencies were still there left in France. And so, uh, the, the the religious elites and the political elites were taking advantage of of the the poverty and really not caring about the country just using they were just you know sponging off everybody and, and using up all the resources for themselves this obviously creates this top heavy thing and, and it's going to settle out just like a tornado and so when revolution happened 
it involved a lot of things. And we look at this as we say this is negative. They, th there was atheism as a part of this revolution. And that, that's bad, and it is. But there's a reason for it. it. It had to happen that way because the abuses, people were going to rebel against where they saw the abuses coming from. They weren't going to distill out one from the other. And so necessarily, those religious elites had to go. And I'm not saying they should have been murdered, but I'm saying this had to happen as a as a statement of fact, uh, not as a statement of morality. This was going to happen, and and so it did. Well, as we say, things cycle, and um, and so uh, it's not a good process. Uh, eventually, Robespierre was executed on his own guillotine. Uh, and, and and all these murders that that he started, right? The suspicion came to him, and and, and it ends when Napoleon comes to power, and uh, and the French Revolution or that aspect of the French Revolution ends very quickly. Uh, all of that was necessary, even if it wasn't good, even if it was on the basis of of atheism, even, uh, and 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 trying to get rid of religion which didn't last that long, by the way. Uh, and, and so so Napoleon restores order. He's short-lived for, you know, what, a decade or a little bit less than a decade. And, th and then uh, and then he's done with power in the early 1800s and is like a mini-revolution against him. And But the, so there's like these periods of transition and the world isn't empty of evil but it is a different place after the 1800s, and it is a better place after the 1800s. There's still evil, there's still atheism, there's still a lot of things, but there is a religious revival that occurs both in Europe and in the United States in the 1800s. It goes well into the 1900s. There's a, there was a resetting, and it comes out of uh, it, it comes out of this this awful process, this storm in in France. So it's not to say that everything was fine. There's still an evil age, but things were reset. I lived for several years in Ukraine. I've talked about that before. And obviously that makes me grieved about the things that are going on right now. You know, But I, I can see the same process similarly, not to the grand scale, but but spiritual things are resetting. And, and I have... I experienced the corruption of Ukraine. People talk about that. I've experienced it on a on a personal level, on multiple personal levels. I remember trying to get a church property and and the corruption that it, it required to even get that process moving. I have been extorted hundreds of dollars on the border by corrupt border guards. Uh, I've I've gone to the open market where we bought you know products, just simple small products, and had these ladies with their scales, and you could see that they had shaved the the little grams and kilogram weights to, to make them lighter. It says kilogram, but it's not a kilogram. So you're buying, you're paying a kilogram price for something that's less than a kilogram. Like all the way down, there's this this society of corruption. And, and that comes from a couple of things. It comes from, one, being oppressed by, by religious elites and by, uh, by political elites there. It comes from atheism. They, they feel justified in doing that. Why? Because they don't have a moral code. So, so, so there's all these things that, that, that go into their, um, 
that that go into their society that that end up leading to to corruption and 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 so now there's well that's going on in Russia too and and so they don't have a moral code and so so all of this this war really is a result of of moral decay uh and and I can tell you that there's a reset as well now I went to the Ukraine in 20 uh, 2004 the church there was three people we worked with a very small congregation and we were trying to get it off of the ground when we started a transition to move back to the United States in 2014, after the first invasion, we said, we're going to probably have to leave here. We don't know what's going on. So in 2014, that had grown. You know, we'd had people pass away. We had people move out, whatever. The church was a net 20 people approximately. We began this transition to a local Ukrainian preacher. And by the time we left, it was already 35. In one year, it, it grew, you know, as much as as had grown in my first in my first ten years there, and and so so in the between that between 2015 when we left and and you know a year and a half ago, that had that number had gone to about 50 to 60 people, and and it was in technically in two locations. Uh, when war broke out, about two thirds, like everywhere, two thirds of our congregation fled. So that means, if you do the math, that we were back down to about twenty people between two locations. Well, I can tell you that today, in those two locations of our of our church, that is there or two churches, whatever, there's almost two hundred people. There's a hundred and a hundred and something in in one location, and there's like fifty something in in the other. It's almost 200 people. Well, that's that's in a year and a half. That's that's a thousand percent growth. Right? That that that's incredible. When that hasn't happened anywhere, and and I know that that's happening everywhere. I I know that those stories are everywhere because I know people over there still. It's not isolated. Now that doesn't make me happy that bombs are dropping, but uh, it gives me perspective. You know, I know that this war is not going to go on forever. I I, I don't know what it's going to look like, you know, in, in a year, two, three, whatever. I don't know what the borders are going to look like. I don't know what what all the political stuff. I, I don't know any of that. I don't know what the economic situation is going to look like, or probably similar to what happens after every war. I, I don't know any of what is going to happen nationally in that sense. I don't know who's going to win. I don't know when, but I know what is going to happen. There's going to be a reset. There's already a reset. People are being very aware spiritually. And um, so there's a um, there's something going on. Uh, and people are aware of spiritual things because they're being forced to. And that is going to stay when the when this is over. The, 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 there's going to be grief for a long time, 50, 70 years. This this generation is going to be affected. But um, but there's also going to be something that stays with them long term, long past when any of these dictators or whatever in Europe or there are gone and, and presidents are gone. They're going to be left with things meaningful things it's a reset it's it's a difficult process it's a tornado but but there's regardless of the political outcome there's going to be something significant that 
that they are left with is going to be beyond me. Uh, and I don't know what that will look like 100 years from now. Maybe in 100, 200 years, they're going through another reset. I don't know. Um, that's just the way we work in humanity. Uh, in your own sphere, when things are turbulent, when things are very difficult, uh, and it looks like things are just getting worse. I, I deal with this on a, on a regular basis, both in terms of, um, you know, as a minister, you see people kind of run through cycles, and they seem to be the, doing the same, and there's another tornado in their life, and there's, you know, results typically of their own dis of making, but not always. Uh, whether, it, whether it is or whether it's just something that happens, you know, the... the Spiritual thing is to let that be a reset. Let that be something that allows you to look at your life, where you're at, where you're going, and make something positive out of it. That doesn't mean to like the process because those are awful processes. Those are sad. Uh, we grieve. We, we have all sorts of negative things happening. There's, there's trauma. It's not to say that we're supposed to like those things that make that happen. What I'm saying is, is to make it productive. Um, to try to find a way to leverage that into a better life in the future. And, and so that as you go through your grief, and as grief becomes a part of your life for whatever reason, and you might not be in that, you might be in an uptime now. There's going to be a reset. There's going to be something, the de-evolution process, because we all go through it, then there will be a reset. And and so to the reset is what gives meaning to that down period, even though the down period is awful and traumatic. Uh, find a way to make that productive if you're in that cycle now. Uh, spiritual things are a way to make that productive so that as you go through the grief, the grief does not have to be alone. You can't get rid of the grief, but you can make sure that the grief is not alone. And um, I, I, I don't want to leave you with that. If, if these things help you in any way, if these things find you, um, make you think or, or give you some direction, uh, subscribe to the podcast or, or even better, put someone that, that needs it in, in contact with this information. You can do that by sharing. Um, we have links. If, if, if you are going through processes of, of down in your life, then uh, look at some of the links that we have. There's other information that we have available through our website, through other podcasts that I have. But even more important than that are the connections that you can make um, through, uh, if you are local to where I'm at, uh, you know, find and if even if you're not, I can help you find a church. Um, and uh, and if you are grieving specifically, uh, one of the ministries that I do is working with a grief ministry. They have if if even if you're not local, they actually do it. Uh, uh, Zoom uh, Zoom casts uh, of of some of these grief ministry grief support groups um, that are that are so beneficial, and I see people. Uh, coming away from those with with kind of some fresh perspective on life and and looking that life is coming uh, to something stable, uh, that something is coming out of their storm, and I see that on a weekly basis. So uh, look at some of those 
uh, materials. Uh, and, and, and I hope to see you uh, next week uh, in the podcast. Bye.